Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I need to let you know something. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 21. And put a marker in Micah chapter 5. I want to welcome everybody joining us online. I want to welcome everybody at the Tempe campus. Tempe, go ahead and buckle up. You're going to be with us till the very end of the service because we're going to do some special stuff at the end of the message. Uh, but while you're turning to Matthew chapter 21 and attempting to find Micah chapter 5 without going to the table of contents at the beginning of the book, um, I just, a disclaimer, and please hear this the right way. I am in an unbelievably cocky mood, okay? (laughs) Like you just have to know that. If this is your first time here, I've never said that in eight years. And and you need to know, I'm not saying cocky in me. I tried that a long time ago. It did not work well. I didn't sleep well. I'm not talking about confident in me. Somebody paid me to study for the last week of my life as many of the verses I could find about Jesus as our king. And you can't help, as you read those verses and the magnitude of them, you cannot help but read them and just get a little swagger. You're gonna see, I'm gonna read so much scripture in this message and if you don't walk out of here swaggering, your legs are broken. I don't know what to say. Because you read this stuff, and I'm just telling you, this is not somebody's opinion. This is truth. This is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And it says some things about our king that that should make us step back and just go, you got to be kidding me. That's my king. Like, what? That's my king. So I'm just in an unbelievably cocky mood, and, and hopefully by the end of the message, you will be too. Uh, our, our family vacation last week was incredible for those of you who were praying uh, for our trip. Obviously, God loves you. We got 19 inches of snow in the first three days. Uh, and so, you know, all, it, was, it was amazing. It was just the angels were singing while I was skiing. Uh, it was really, really good, good time with my family, much needed. But I'm really excited this weekend to, uh, these, this week and next weekend are really the climax of this Real Jesus series. And for those of you who don't know, we do have a Good Friday service on Friday from 6 to 7. It's not like our Easter service. So if you uh, come from another church, different background, and you're used to a, a very special Good Friday service, uh, we have one of those on Friday night. It's not uh, the Easter Uh, The same message, there's not even going to be a message, it's just going to be powerful and we're going to worship all the way through it and um, just soak in God's word about what Jesus did for us. So 6 to 7 on Friday night and then Easter Sunday here at the Scottsdale campus, uh, 8, 10 and noon, all right? So not 9 and 11, if you show up at those times, you're going to be waiting for a while. All right, and don't you try and sneak in and be like, oh, got the last 20 minutes. I'm done. No, no, God's watching, okay? Eight, 10, and noon, we're trying to make a little bit more room, all right? All right, this weekend, we, because it is Palm Sunday, we are talking about Jesus as King. Jesus as King. The title of the message is Jesus the and we're going to take a look at several different distinctions of Jesus as king. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1, about what went down 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. Because who's going to say no to that? And immediately he will send them. 
all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, Zechariah, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set Jesus upon them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, Yeshua, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. We're going to walk through three, not all, three of the distinctions of Jesus, the king. Here's point number one. Jesus is king of Israel. Jesus is king of Israel. Now, for those of you who are ready to move on from the Real Jesus series because you've heard the the word Israel far too much. Let me help you understand something, why this is so important to you that Jesus is king of Israel. Because if Jesus isn't the ruler of his own people, he cannot be the ruler over all people. Go and study all the messianic prophecies in scripture. If Jesus isn't the king of Israel, then he's not the Messiah. If he's not the Messiah, he's not the savior of the world. Jesus is the king of Israel. Two times in the gospels, Jesus is referred to as king of the Jews. You may know these two instances. The first instance, Matthew chapter two, the Magi say, where is this baby born king of the Jews? And they actually Uh, they quote Micah chapter five. So if you put a a marker in Micah five, flip over there, we'll read it together. We're gonna read a couple different verses from this passage. This is a messianic prophecy. If you don't know what that means, it means it, it is a prophetic word. It is a word in advance speaking of the coming Messiah, all right? Micah chapter five, Verse two, but you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one, capital O, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, so that we don't misinterpret Micah chapter five, God's making sure that we understand he's not just talking about any king a king they, they had had, a king they, uh, an earthly king they would have. He's saying this king of Israel is from eternity. Another way to say it, Jesus stepped out of eternity and into human history to be king of Israel. Now, the other instance you might be thinking about where Jesus is referred to as king of the Jews is at his, uh, when he's standing before Pilate, at his trial before the crucifixion. Remember, Pilate is probing him and says, so are you the king of the Jews? And I love Jesus' response. He says this, it is as you said. Pilate, thinking he has all the power, says to Jesus, so, so just shoot straight with me. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus sweetly but confidently says, it is as you say. I think a proper interpretation of that is, duh. (laughs) Duh. And remember, so Pilate writes the inscription to go above Christ's cross, and it says, king of the Jews. And remember, the scribes and Pharisees were so bent out of shape at that title because that title is such a big deal that they say to Pilate, hey, don't write that, write he said he was king of the Jews. And Pilate said, he was, I think he was trying to pretend to be like Jesus in this, this instance. He says, what I have written, I have written. And I wonder if Jesus is just going, 
stop. I'm the king. You're the pretender. Here's what you need to understand before I read you Zechariah chapter 9. That the Jewish people have been prophetically prepared for the coming of the Messiah more than any people on the earth. They're prophetically pre-programmed to be looking for their coming Messiah more than any people on the earth. Zechariah 9, verse 9. This is uh, Matthew chapter 21 is actually a fulfillment of Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king, not just a king, not even the king, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Preston, I don't quite understand this. If the Jewish people have been prophetically prepared more than any people on the earth to be looking for their Messiah, why can't they see it? I mean, Jesus checked every box from every messianic prophecy that ever was. Well, why can't they see it? Okay, great question. Let's be careful how we answer this, okay? If we're not careful, we can answer this question like ignorant Gentiles. And, and it kind of sounds something like this. Well, pff, I know he's king. Why don't they know he's their king? Okay, don't ever talk like that. It's unbecoming of a follower of Jesus Christ, all right? Put yourself in their shoes. It's, it's actually a lot easier to understand than you think. And here's the biggest thing. The Jewish people understand that the fortunes of the king and the fortunes of the people are completely intertwined. And every passage that they read, so many of them, I won't use the word every, so many of them, of the Messianic prophecies point to a conquering king who will lead the people of Israel to be conquerors. Let me just show you. Micah chapter 5, verse 7. This is just a couple of verses down from what I've already read to you. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, like a strong young lion among flocks of sheep and goats, pouncing and tearing as they go with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes and all their enemies will be wiped out. Okay, here's the deal. Here, here's what's so difficult to understand. I imagine if I were a Jewish person and I was not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer in Yeshua, here's what would be difficult for me. How could a king who has been prophesied to come as conqueror more than anyone who ever has or will, how does that conquering king allow someone else to conquer him by crucifying him on a cross? And the answer is actually pretty simple. And this stirs up an entire different debate about the kingdom of God. Has the kingdom of God already come or is it yet to come? And you can today, you can find brilliant theologians on both sides of this issue. And, and let me just kind of answer this question. Has the kingdom of God come or is it yet to come? Here's the answer to the question, yes. I'm gonna answer it the way I think Jesus would have answered it back in the day, yes. It has come and it is coming. Here's what you need to understand. If you're really gonna understand this, you have to, to process the first coming as well as the second coming. The first time Jesus came, he came as a redeeming king. But the second time he comes, it will be as a reigning king. The first time Jesus came, he came to set up a spiritual kingdom. The second time Jesus comes, he will set up a governmental kingdom that will rule over the whole world for a thousand years before the end. Here's another way to say it. 
The kingdom was inaugurated when Jesus came the first time, but it will be consummated when he comes again. The romantic way to say it is the first time Jesus came to pay for his people. When he comes again, he will conquer and reign over all people with his people. Jesus is king of Israel. Point number two, Jesus is king of kings. He's not just king of Israel, a national king or a racial king, king of the Jews. He is king of all kings. Revelation 1 verse 5. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Here's the way I would say that. Jesus Christ is the ruler of all the kings and all the presidents and all the chiefs and all the premiers and all the governors and all the prime ministers for all time. Is that clear enough? That's a lot of alls. And just one Jesus. That's a lot of power. In fact, Jesus as king of kings speaks to his sovereignty. Our king is completely and perfectly sovereign. Now what does that word mean, sovereign? Let me give you my kind of simple definition. Jesus the king has the ability to orchestrate his intentions independent of any other human in any place of authority at any time of history. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Listen to the way Jesus talks in Matthew 28. He understood completely about his sovereignty as king, his authority as king. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority, everybody say all. all, all authority. If you think things are shaky in your world right now and you're not sure up from down, you just need to listen to the way your Jesus talks. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Another way to say it. All authority that ever has been or ever will be has been given to me. All of it. All authority, Preston, has been given to me. Things might look a little bit shaky in your world, but trust and believe, son, they ain't shaky on my throne. Because I'm the king of all kings, not just a temporary king. I'm the king of all kings. Here's what that means. Others might have some power, but Jesus has all power. Others might have some authority. Jesus has all authority. Others might have a say, but Jesus has the final say. And I just want to read you a couple of different passages to help you understand Jesus isn't just a king. He's not just the king of Israel. He's the king of all kings. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. And he, the Lord, changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord except for his tweets at 3 a.m. That, that was a bad joke. The Lord guides the king's heart wherever he pleases. I really love Psalm 135, verse six. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. <laughs> I love when he talks like that. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Where? In heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. There is nowhere, nowhere where Jesus is unable to do whatever he wants. No matter what your situation looks like right now, I promise you, Jesus has never been anywhere 
where he was unable to do whatever he wanted to do. He's the completely sovereign king, the king over all kings. One more, just for fun, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. I just, I love this. The Lord of hosts has sworn, quote, as I have planned, so shall it be. Let that wash over you for a sec. That's how he talks. As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purpose, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land and on my mountains trample him underfoot. And his yoke shall depart from them and his burden from their shoulder. This is the purpose that is purpose concerning the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purpose and who will annul it? I love it when he talks like that. Do you understand what he's saying? This is what the Lord has purpose. Who is gonna stop me? <laughs> Why are we playing scared? Amen. He doesn't talk like that. This is what the Lord has purpose. Who will annul it? His hand is stretched out and who will turn it back? Our king is the king of all kings. Every bit of authority that ever has been or ever will be belongs to him. And everybody who has any authority just has it on loan for a little while because it's all his. Revelation 19, 16. I, I want to read you one verse and then I want to kind of just uh, in a very cocky way illustrate it. Okay, uh, let, me, let me just read. Uh, if you want to, you can turn over to Revelation 19. I was just gonna read a verse, but I'm actually, I wanna read more than that. Then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. See if you can figure out who the rider is. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. Probably not someone else's blood. His. And his title was the Word, capital W, of God. This is talking about Jesus. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. Listen to verse 16. And on his robe, at his thigh, was written this title. Out of all the titles that could have been written there, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, I don't have enough time to break down this whole passage, but I just want to point, direct your attention to verse 16. First, I've heard it taught in the past that, uh, and I love how the NLT translates this, because not every translation, I believe, translates this accurately. I've actually heard some people teach that Jesus had this written on his thigh. And they've literally taught that Jesus had a tattoo, okay? Now, before you get all sideways on me, okay, please don't, I don't want to lose you semantically, all right? I, I, please. I'm not anti-tattoos, but can I just remind you, Jesus didn't come to violate the law. He came to fulfill the law. In Leviticus, I think it's 18 or 19, speaking to the people of Israel, it says, hey, beware that you do not uh, mark yourself. And it was talking about hurting yourself. And also then the second part is, uh, tattoos, putting a mark on yourself. Okay. Hear me. I don't have a tattoo. Okay. It's more cause I'm afraid of the needle, 
my wife, my daughter, they've got tattoos. I'm, and I'm just never going to be the person who has wings on his back and, and like all, you know, it's not me. Okay. But, but let me just tell you, I, I really don't think Jesus had a tattoo. And maybe it doesn't matter, but I, I just, it, it kind of principally does matter because Jesus didn't come to violate the law. So it kind of is a big deal. On his robe, across his thigh, was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why? I'm going to submit this to you. This is where this message might get a little too cocky for you, okay? I wonder if this robe dipped in blood, written across the thigh, saying King of all kings and Lord of lords. I wonder if this wasn't the greatest pregame warm-up outfit in all of history. <laughs> like, I just want to take you back down memory lane just for a sec to when I was in high school. I went to a small Christian school, uh, but our level of play was not small in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think we went like seven plus years without losing a district game. My whole family, I played with all my cousins uh, at this little school. There were times when three out of the five starters were all related, uh, and, and we just dominated people. I'm, I'm going to shoot straight. We just literally dominated them, and we, we didn't lose a conference game for years, and we would go into, from time to time, into the opposing team's gym. And we would want to send a message before the game even started. And so we, we would wear sometimes our letter jackets. I almost pulled out my letter jacket and wore it this weekend, but it would have gotten way too cocky. And, and it needs to be cocky about Jesus, not about me, okay? But we would, we would wear the most intimidating thing we could. And then we would walk into the gym. And if you were around me back then, you wouldn't go to church here, just so you know that. <laughs> we would walk in, and it was like, I mean, we were trying to scare people because we crushed people. And one of the ways we crushed them is we got them scared before the ball even went up in the air. I wonder if the king of all kings isn't just playing a little bit with his enemy, going, ha, ha, ha. I already know how this ends. You know how this ends. But I'd like to just rub it in your face with my leg. I am the king of all kings. You are pretending to be a king. I'm the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. And I'm going to end this thing with the breath of my mouth. Okay, I know you have this, this sweet, fragile image of Jesus. I'm not quite so sure that's how he rolls. I get he's humble. That doesn't mean he's not confident. Go read Colossians 2. God publicly humiliated his enemy at the cross that day. See, this is why I was so cocky in high school. I get it from my dad. <laughs> it didn't work on you. It didn't work back then. <laughs> Jesus is the king of all kings. Here's point number three. Jesus is king for how long? Forever. Here's a one-liner for you. Jesus is the king of an endless empire. <laughs> He's the king of an endless empire. Daniel 7 verse 14. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, not just yours, and every nation, not just yours, and every language, not just yours, would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom, I love it when he talks like this, will never be destroyed. In other words, if you don't know what eternal means, it doesn't just mean forever. It means forever victorious, this king. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Again, so why are we playing so scared? 
I'm sure this is probably wrong to say. You know what one of my favorite things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is? We win. I've told you this before. I hate to lose. Like I hate to lose. You come play checkers at my house and you beat me, I might throw the board at you. Not because I don't like you, it's just an involuntary reflex. This is why I don't play games with church people. <laughs> I just don't like to lose. And, and I think we're so busy trying to be sweet and affable and humble that we forget we're on a team that never, ever, 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 ever loses. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Jesus, what did you get me for Christmas this year? Victory. <laughs> Happy New Year's. Jesus, what did you get me as a New Year's present? Victory. Happy birthday. Jesus, what did you get me for a birthday present? Victory. We don't lose. And the reason we don't lose is because our king is the sovereign king of all kings forever and ever. Amen. And for those of you who think I'm way too riled up and gone way too far, let me read you one more verse. Daniel chapter two, verse 44. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. I'm telling you, this is how he talks. This is a direct quote from the God of the universe. I didn't make this up. His kingdom will never be destroyed. It will crush all other kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. I have three teenagers and because of that, we all kind of love basketball. It's March Madness right now. Uh, one of the ongoing arguments in my home is about the GOAT. And if you don't know what the GOAT means, it's just an acronym for greatest of all time, okay? I grew up in Chicago during my, what I call formative years, athletically, and uh, Michael Jordan, while I was living in Chicago, led the Bulls to their first world championship. My dad pulled me out of school, got on the L train, went downtown to Grand Park and celebrated with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and all the other Bulls. It was a big day in my life. As you can see, you can tell where I fall in the argument of who the greatest of all time is. Okay, I say Michael Jordan, my children say LeBron James. I know, let me, let me just, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me help you understand something, okay? Really simple, I'm just, I'm just I'm, I like math. And so I'm gonna turn this into very simple to understand math, like I have with my children. Trust me, we're going somewhere. <laughs> I tell my children, okay, um, let's say you had a final that you had to take at school and your entire academic career hinged on this one final, the grade on this one final. I'll give you two options. You tell me which one you want. Option number one. Out of 10 questions on this final, you get four right. What would your teachers call that grade? And my kids say, Daddy, they'd call it an absolute F. I say, that's right. That's what LeBron has done in the finals. Four out of 10 times. My teachers call that an F. Other scenario, there are six questions on the final. You get all six right. Children, what would your teachers call that grade? And I'll never let them answer, I answer it for them. A perfect score. That's what Michael Jordan did in the finals. <laughs> 
six for six. Okay. Now I know some of you are like, why, are, why did we go from reading so much Bible to this? Here's why. I wonder if while my children and I are arguing about who the GOAT is, Michael or LeBron, uh, LeBron I wonder if the King of Kings isn't sitting on the throne, peering over the balcony of heaven, chuckling to himself, going, <laughs> it ain't Mike and it ain't LeBron. The goat is the lamb. Just a question. Do we actually live like he's the greatest of all time? And don't beat yourself up if you haven't been. Just start today. Your Bible says he's the greatest. Whoever was, who is, whoever will be. I think his church should start acting like it. Because he is the king forever. His reign is eternal. It's never coming to an end. Here's another way to say it. Every human reign eventually comes to an end, except for the man who was both God and man. Every human reign eventually comes to an end, except for the man who was both God and man. All right, so this brings us to point number four. We're gonna have to breeze through this and you're probably gonna have to put your steel-toe boots on, okay? The first three points are about Jesus. Point number four is about you. Point number one, Jesus is king of Israel. Point number two, Jesus is king of kings. Point number three, Jesus is king forever. Point number four, question, but is he your king? Now, before you start thinking about salvation, and pointing to his reign, let me just give you something to ponder. The earthly struggle with Jesus is not with Jesus as savior, it's with Jesus as king. Everyone wants to be saved when they're dying. Few want to be ruled while they're living. Just take that in for a sec. Oh, Jesus is my king. Well, we're about to see if he is. Because you might actually just mean he's my savior. I'm not asking you, is Jesus your savior? I'm asking, are you living with Jesus as king? Every believer has made Jesus their savior but that does not mean that they are living with Jesus as their king. And here's what we have a tendency to do as followers of Jesus Christ if we're not careful. We maximize friendship with Jesus at the expense of the royalty or the royalness of Jesus. We fixate on Jesus as friend and trust me, he's my best friend. He's my best friend. But I have got to daily remind myself that long before he was my friend, he was king. I'm friends with the king. I'm not just friends with Jesus. I'm friends with the eternal king of all kings. And I gotta keep that right here at the forefront of my thought. Because if I'm not careful, I will make Jesus more relational than he is royal. I live better because he's my constantly faithful friend, but I sleep better because he's my completely sovereign king. Now, you might be thinking, Preston, how do I know if I'm living with Jesus as my king? Well, let's go through a couple of lists. Here's the first list. He isn't your king if. I know that's strong language. I'm not saying he isn't your savior. I'm saying, you know, he isn't your king. And before I give you this list, let me just remind you, there are only two options in your life as it re relates to a king. 
it's either Jesus or it's you. There's not a third option. Either Jesus is king or you are. You gotta pick. And you know Jesus isn't king if, here's the first thing, you're addicted to being in control. Jesus cannot be your king if you must always be in control. Second, you know he isn't your king if you constantly make decisions without consulting the king. If you don't consult with Jesus over big decisions, you have turned your life into its own kingdom and have enthroned yourself as its king. Every big decision that affects the kingdom or any of its citizens should be made in consultation with the king. I'm not talking about where you eat for lunch, but I might be. I'm being dead serious. Jesus, I'm not sure what I'm in the mood for. Porta subs or Chipotle? I don't do this every day. But just in case there might be a future citizen of the king at Chipotle, the king needs me to bump into, from time to time I just ask. Hey king, there may be in the line when I arrive a future citizen of your kingdom. Shall I go to Chipotle and turn his world upside down? It doesn't happen all the time. Listen, what percentage of the time do you consult with the king about your decisions? Well, Preston, that's my life. But where'd you get that in the Bible? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that's actually not true. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, you do not belong to yourself. Speaking to believers, you don't belong to you. Well then, who do I belong to? For God bought you with a high price. Remember what the price was? Blood of the king. Not just blood of the lamb, blood of the king. Third, you know he's not your king if you allow division between you and other kingdom citizens. Take that one out for a spin. You have a Preston, they're in a different political party. I do not care. Citizens of the same kingdom. Fourth, and I know you hate when I say things like this. You know Jesus isn't king if you behave as a communicator dispensing your own opinions more than as a messenger delivering the king's messages. I feel like I have to say this fairly consistently. I get that I'm not on social media, so it's a lot easier for me. But this is one of the reasons I'm not on. As it relates to every bit of communication, whether verbal or viral, what percentage of the time are you delivering the king's messages? And what percentage of the time are you saying whatever you feel like saying? He can't be your king if when you talk the majority of the time, you say whatever you want. He can be your savior, but he's most certainly not your king. Let's get to the sweet side of the coin. You know Jesus is your king if, first, you seek first the kingdom. Matthew chapter six, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. When Jesus is your sovereign king, his kingdom supersedes literally everything else in your life. Second, you know he's your king if his kingdom is more important than your castle. That's also Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Store your treasures in heaven. It's that simple. Third thing, you know he's your king if you esteem the king wherever you go. Psalm 96, verse three, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. This is such a great verse as it relates to reaching the lost. Preston, I don't know how to lead people to Jesus. Just tell everyone the amazing things he does. Now, I want to ask you a question, and we're going to do one more thing, and we're going to be done. 
When was the last time you meditated on the enthroned Christ? Seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father? When was the last time in the middle of a crazy day you stopped yourself and set your gaze on the enthroned Christ at the right hand of the Father. If you didn't know, that's scriptural. Colossians chapter three, verse one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. This week as I was preparing for this and just reading through so many scriptures I didn't even get to read about Jesus as king. And I mean, I just started getting more and more riled up. I had my headphones on most of the week or my worship music on, screaming at the top of my lungs back in my office. And the more riled up I got, the more wide open I felt my heart was. And there was a moment where I felt like the Lord just asked, what kind of a king am I to you? And so I just started writing. And it turned into what I would call the ABCs of my king, just my perspective. I used adjectives from A to Z, except for X, couldn't find an X, from A to Z describing Jesus as my king. And the way it went, it actually ended up being 25 juxtapositions. It, it, it kind of goes something like this. He's not the king who or that because he's the king who. And so I just started writing these things out. And it got bonkers. And I got this picture of me sitting here in this moment with you. And it was as though the king was backstage. And my only job was to introduce the king. And as I started to read this list, it was like I felt, he, he looked a little bit like me back in the day, pregame. I mean, he, was, he just started jumping and it was like, just let me go, let me go, let me go. I'm gonna read you my list. Just in my own words, describing my king. And as I read this list, there may be a moment where the Holy Spirit hits you in the heart with a clearer picture of your king than you've ever had. And here's what I would say. I just want you to respond. Whatever that means. You may bow. You may stand and bow. You may lift your hands. You may shout. You may begin to pray. So if there's a moment where you get a picture of the king, as you put your gaze on the enthroned Christ at the right hand of the Father, let's just appropriately respond. And then we're all gonna respond in worship. And we're gonna sing a song, the chorus of all hail King Jesus. Because I don't know if you know this, when the president of this country, the United States of America, walks into a room publicly, the same song plays every time. Anybody know the song? Hail to the Chief. It's a great song. Don't want to take away from it. But it pales in comparison to all hail our king. The king of all kings. So let me just read you in my own words. And I want you to just, maybe you close your eyes, maybe you keep them open. You just, you do what you do between you and the Lord right now. This is my king. He's not an angry king. He's the perfectly amiable king. Nothing could ever make him hate you. He's not the bossy king. He's never been anything but the most benevolent king. He's not the king who condemns you because he's the king who is constantly compassionate towards you. He's definitely not the defeated king because he has only ever been the victoriously decisive king. 
He's not the ephemerally temporal king. He's the eternally existing king. No one can ever kick him off his throne. He's not the king who is occasionally fickle. He's the king who is forever faithful. He's not the king who glares at you because he is the king who never stops gazing at you. He's most certainly not the king who hurts you because he is the king who heals you. He's not the king who was ever caught by the tabloids being indecent because he's too busy being the king who was found by all to be incorruptible. He's not just any king. He's the king of Israel the whole world has been waiting for. He's not the king who can be killed. He's the king who will kill every one of his enemies with the breath of his mouth. He's not the king who will ever leave you. He's the king who refuses to ever stop loving you. He's certainly not the king who cannot move mountains because he's the king whose middle name is miraculous. He is not the narcissistic king demanding your worship. He's the incomparably noteworthy king who alone deserves all worship. He's not the king who is overly critical of you because he's the king who never stops obsessing over you. He's definitely not the persecuting you, king. He's the persecuted for you, king. He's not a quantifiable king because he is the only quintessential king. I know this, he's not the king who was repulsed by your mess because he's the king who came to redeem your mess. He's not the king who shuns you because he's too busy being the king who seeks you. He's not a king who will ever trick you because he's the king who longs to teach you. He's not an unfindable king because he's the only ubiquitous king. He is not the king who viciously victimizes, but he most certainly is the king who vehemently vindicates. He's not the weakling king. He is the war for you warrior king. He's not the king who yells at you because he's too busy being the king who yearns for you. I'm not gonna lie, Z was hard, but he's not the king whose favorite thing is to zap you. He's the king whose favorite thing is when you realize how zealous he is for you. This is our king. And if we can't worship the king of all kings who reigns forever and ever and ever, then we have a problem. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see this, the king seated on the throne, unshakable no matter what's going on in your world. Come on, let's lift up our praise to the king of all kings.
ministry team to come forward we're gonna wrap up the service and and if you're here today at either campus and the Holy Spirit pointed out some areas of your life where you've tried to enthrone yourself as king please don't leave today trying to be Jesus equal I promise you it won't end well kings of massive nations have tried And Jesus got in their way and caused them to realize he's the king of kings, not them. So if he can make a king of a mighty nation be humbled when they try and be equal king to Jesus, think of how easy it is for him to help me understand. I'm not king. If there's any area of your life where you've enthroned yourself as king, can I sweetly submit this to you? kick yourself off that throne you will sleep better and if you're here at either campus or watching online and you've never made Jesus not just King but Savior your Savior we're gonna talk about that next week if if you want Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life enthroned over every area of your life you can meet him this week you can meet him today you can give your life to him the greatest gift what do you give a king who has everything your life <laughs> best gift ever your life and here's how you know it's the most extravagant gift you could ever give the king here's how you know because it's the most expensive gift you have he paid his own blood he paid his own blood so if you don't know Jesus personally why don't you introduce yourself a person I don't know him will come introduce yourself to one of my friends and they'll introduce you to Jesus it will change your life it will change your life. Let me pray a blessing over you. After we dismiss, if you need prayer for anything at all at either campus, just come forward and pray with somebody. We'll stay as long as you need. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That no matter what's going on around us, no matter how shaky things seem in the midst of the storm, you reign. You are seated on high. And Lord, I pray that your church would get the conviction necessary to be who you died for it to be, that you are the unshakable king, that no one can kick you off the throne. Jesus, I pray that it would change the way that we live, that even when we walk with a limp, we would still walk with swagger, that our king is the completely, perfectly sovereign king who reigns over all heaven and earth. So Jesus, as we leave today, may we do so with our hearts constantly bowing before you, joining in with a chorus of angels saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is our King. Now may we leave this place as citizens of the greatest kingdom that ever will be. In Christ's mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.